There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Happy Halloween! A spooky holiday just wouldn't be the same without Freddy Krueger. I spoke to a Nightmare on Elm Street composer, Charles Bernstein, in 2020 about what it was like working with Wes Craven to give us all nightmares. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Charles Bernstein who is the composer behind A Nightmare on Elm Street, which uh, came out in 1984, actually the year I was born, so that gives a little context. <laughs> but uh, if that, that probably drives you crazy thinking about that. But um, anyway, you know, it's such an iconic uh, character in Freddy Krueger, but I insist that, you know, it, I don't think it would have been as, you know, nearly as scary without your, your, you know, nightmarish music. So we're really happy to have you on here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I'm happy to be here. I like to do these things chronologically a little bit, a little bit of your journey. So, you know, take me all the way back to the beginning. You know, when you were growing up, I know you were born in Minneapolis in 1943. Um, (laughs) What music did you grow up listening to? Or, you know, did you watch any horror movies or any movies back then? You know, what were your like cultural touchstones as a kid? Well, you know, I have to say that my mom played the piano in the house a lot. And that, uh, that was kind of my... Uh, the first sounds I heard were really good piano playing by a woman who was very musical. And as fate would have it, and I didn't learn this till well into my career, when she was young, she was actually accompanying silent movies. She was playing the piano in in Minneapolis. Uh, Actually, she played the Wurlitzer organ accompanying yeah. silent movies. So in a way, she was doing what I do uh, way before, but then talkies came in and she was just a girl and she was doing this. She was 17 turning 18 and talkies came in and she uh, didn't have a gig anymore. And I never heard about her having done that until well into the uh, career that I ended up following. That's so cool that you're, yeah. I had no idea <laughs> your mom was playing <laughs> For I don't know Nosferatu, and <laughs> she's got to be playing yeah. some Lon Chaney movies or something. So neither neither you nor I knew this. So yeah, that's so so cool. Uh, all right, cool. So you, maybe you have it a little bit in your blood, a little bit. Um, Could be. All right. So then uh, I guess you I guess we could say you, you you start taking it a little more seriously as a career. You know, you study at Juilliard and University of California. Um, how did that, Bridge that gap for me. How did you start going from doing it in college to getting that? I know you did the Oscar-winning doc Czechoslovakia in '68. Yeah. So how, how did how did that you know first break into the biz happen? You know, Jason, like so many things, I didn't say, "Oh, I think I'll become a film composer." It, 
it sort of evolved. I was at UCLA, uh, interested in music, interested in theater. Uh, when I was in New York, I was a big fan of musical theater and the, telling stories where music was a main part of the storytelling. So, uh, you know, that, that was my tendency. But then I got offered this little documentary film about Czechoslovakia, about which I knew nothing. And it was an all music film and it ended up winning an Oscar. And that gave me a lot of credibility in here in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. Oh, here's another documentary. Here's some other things. And uh, over a period of time, I just kind of started doing it. So, you know, uh, now I'm 130 films later, uh, you know, and uh, still just one foot in front of the other. Here's a film. Let's write music, you know. I love it. So, so you're in LA, um, you know, you, you just scored the, the documentary. It's won an Oscar, so you're starting to get a little attention out there. When do you remember first seeing um, or hearing about Wes Craven? I mean, he'd done Last House on the Left in 72, which I believe was a, was that like our takeoff of, on a, the Bergman movie too? Bergman well, movie. you know what? Yeah, I, I have to, I'll be completely honest with you and with your listeners. I had not been much of a horror film person. I didn't know who Wes Craven was. And my agent said, you know, you should meet this guy. He's really smart. He's a good guy. And I didn't know his work. I didn't know Last House. I didn't know any of these things. And frankly, it wasn't something I would go to the movies and plunk down some money to, to see a horror movie. I, I found life fairly horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and I did, and the thought of paying money to have more horror didn't seem like something I wanted to do. <laughs> and also I was a big fan of movies that were, you know, more feel good. I loved musicals and all of that. So I, when I met Wes Craven, uh, I had to say to myself, here's a guy, uh, he's very smart, but what he does for a living is he scares people. And he's asking me <laughs> to be a big part of that. And I thought, well, uh, okay, let's, let's give this a go. And I realized that maybe my biggest advantage was that I didn't know a lot of horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I could only go on what scared me. If this music scared me, then okay, maybe that'll scare other people rather than listening to other horror movies and copying what they did. So maybe it was an advantage in that way. Right. But hadn't you done some horror before, like The Entity and Cujo? Yeah, uh, there's a, a history. Let me think. I think uh, Elm Street came before. There were three of them in a row, you know, around the same time. And with all of them, uh, actually, Cujo wasn't strictly a horror movie. It was a Stephen King book, but it was more of a a disturbing tale, right. especially the way the movie was. It's kind of a family tragedy, family drama with a, a rabid dog, you know. Right. Uh, the entity was supernatural, uh, but uh, Elm Street was like a real horror movie. A lot of blood, a lot of, you know, uh, unnatural, scary stuff going on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Wes was a great guy to work with on a, you know, a kind of what turned out to be an iconic film with an iconic character, Freddy Krueger. And I felt I had to give him the musical aspect of that character. So it was a challenge and uh, Wes was terrific at kind of helping me through it. 
Yeah. So how does that actually like you're, you're, you're admittedly not at the time weren't a big horror guy. So you get this project, um, you know, you read, I guess you read the script. You, you're probably even seeing, you know, you're seeing the film because before the rest of us, you got to see Freddy Krueger and the young yeah. Johnny, seeing a young Johnny Depp and everyone before the rest of us did. Um, yeah. What's like percolating through your mind? You're basically seeing Freddy Krueger with these claws, but there's no music to it yet. So, and you just said a few seconds ago, you're trying to come up with the musical, you know, embodiment of that character. How do you get the idea to do that, like synthesized percussion kind of a thing? It's pretty yeah. crazy. You know, when I approach a film, I like to think that the score that I'm going to write, that the music I'm going to come up with, will be special for that particular movie. You know, that it won't be generic horror music, but it'll be Nightmare on Elm Street music. It'll be music for this character, Freddy Krueger. And you're right, I saw this movie uh, before anyone, obviously. And the first thing I saw was a black and white work print. That's what they call the, you know, in those days, before digital, they would run a black and white cheap copy for the composer and the sound people to work from. And uh, I looked at this guy, Freddy Krueger, and I thought, no, this is too weird. This will never make it. You know, this is, this is not going to be, uh, I don't have to worry too much about what music I write for this because no one's going to hear it. That was my initial feeling. It was just too out there. And uh, lo and behold, all these years later, you know, he's kind of a cultural icon, Freddy Krueger. And the film is still, you know, shown a lot. And uh, I saw it not that long ago. And I thought it really held up. Very good movie. Yeah. Talk about the, the, the musicology of it a little bit. You know, what instruments did you use in putting that together? Okay. Uh, when I look for instruments, I call them colors, you know, ideas like a painter. You know, what colors, what, what palette am I going to use? certain instruments are better than other instruments at doing certain things like violins are particularly good at some things, trumpets, different percussion, you know. And so I have to come up with a vocabulary of sounds that scare and haunt and disturb. And uh, synthesizers were fairly new at that time. And they were really good at coming up with scary sounds. The synthesizers were good at creating these sounds. And uh, I guess the palette that I assembled was, I'm playing all the instruments because it was a very low budget situation and I ended up, you know, being the orchestra. So these new synths and using my voice and then distorting the voice using electronic elements um, companies like uh, Boss that make these guitar pedals uh, were very helpful because I could run my voice or my synthesizers or my piano or whatever through these guitar pedals, which distort them or introduce delays or other sonic uh, aspects that can make it more scary. So I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and coming up with sounds and that's how the you know the score basically got written i love it. it's so it's so eerie i think of like that boiler room imagery you know what i mean like the of the nightmares it's uh it's yeah. edited in my brain in, in our fears <laughs> <laughs> that's good um yeah. 
who, who was it you or was it Wes or who came up with that little, you know, children's ditty, the one, two, Freddie's coming for yeah. you thing? That was definitely Wes's doing. It was in the script. It was in the film when I arrived. The girls were doing the jump rope and chanting, one, two, Freddie's coming for you. And that is actually written in the script. One, two, Freddie's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door, etc. However, my task was then to write music under that chant, you know, synthesizers and orchestral sounds under the chant that then integrated with this. Um... Da, da, dee, da, 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 you know, the theme. Can you do that again? And the chords are, you know, da, 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 da. La da da, you know the the chords were kind of minor and creepy, and the melody, you know. So then I had to integrate that with one, two, Freddie's coming for you, uh, which was, as I say, already there, and uh, you know, create kind of a uh, a language that used the nursery rhyme idea and the melody, uh, and integrated them together. I love it. I, I'm just yeah. geeking out hearing about all of it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, as you said, I mean, it pretty much, I think, what, nine film franchise, maybe? It, oh, it, it yeah. became called, I know New Line Cinema became known as the house that Freddie built. Like, it basically <laughs> launched a whole studio, and you were a huge part of it. Um, talk about sort of the, the legacy in terms of, you know, you well, not during quarantine, obviously, but in a typical year, you could be walking down the street on Halloween and see random strangers, little kids that were nowhere near even bored, maybe even never even seen the movie, wearing that costume. Like, what does that make you feel when you walk and see some a little kid on the sidewalk wearing the, the costume of Freddy Krueger? You know, I could never have predicted it. Uh, I have Freddy Krueger's socks that I saw at, uh, you know, a department store, Macy's or something. And I bought, you know, because there's Freddy Krueger on some socks, you know. Uh, and there's a, I have a lunch pail that has Freddy Krueger on it, just as little, you know, kind of memorabilia. No, I would never have guessed that little kids would be dressing as him or that uh, President of the United States, uh, George H.W. Bush, in a speech when he was president referring to something, I think it was Freddy Krueger economics or something. <laughs> the first time I heard that back in, back in the day, I thought, oh my God, this guy is, has found his way into presidential speeches for God's sake. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I could never have predicted any of that. Wow, that's uh, not gonna do it. I just think Dana Carvey doing that. <laughs> oh, that's wild, that's wild. Um, that's cool. All right, well, um, we got it before you run. I mean, yeah. we got to settle the, the Freddy versus Jason debate. I'm a Jason. You're Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who would win in a real slasher slash off? <laughs> well, you know, uh, when that movie, Freddy versus Jason, was first being planned, a UPS driver came to my door to deliver a package and saw my name and said, Did you do the music for Freddy Krueger? And I said, Yeah. And he said, did you know there's a Freddy and J versus Jason movie being planned? I said, no, I, I had no idea. So I went in and called my agent and I said, wouldn't it be fun if they hired both me and uh, Harry Manfredini, who did Jason, to both score this movie and I would contribute the Freddy music and he'd contribute the, uh, 
Jason music. Anyway, it never happened, but I, I thought it would have been a cool idea. That would have been really cool. The Friday the 13th composer dueling. It would have been, yeah. ver that would have been another versus. That would have been really yeah, cool. Oh, been well, well you, that might not have happened, but I do know um, every now and then I'll be watching like a Tarantino movie and I'll see some of your work show up in there. I think it was like Kill Bill, maybe Inglorious Bastards. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very flattered that uh, Quentin Tarantino has included so much of my music in his films that, uh, I, you know, he's such a master and it's a privilege. So. Awesome. Well, before we run, what, what, what are you either, what have you been up to lately? What are you working on next? Anything you want to plug? <laughs> well, you know, I'm doing a, a series of a number of projects. Uh, and uh, these are a couple of feature docs, documentaries that I'm really enjoying and that are wonderful movies. Uh, but I'm also going to release, I did the sequel to Rosemary's Baby and Intrada Records, it looks like, is going to release the score after all these years, uh, orchestra and chorus kind of score for, it's called Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby. That, so, it was a TV movie, right? In like yeah, exactly. Good call, Jason. Yeah, it was indeed. And the sequel to Rosemary's Baby was made for TV for ABC. It had Ruth Gordon from the original cast and Ray Milland was in it and uh, Patty Duke. And it was just a, a you know, wild. It came out on Halloween back in the day. So I thought it might be fun to uh, reissue that. So I'm working on that. And I couple of dance pieces and so it's been busy over here in spite of the lockdowns and everything wow i think i think i mean the original ones i think one of my all-time favorites oh. but I, i've never seen the tv movie and right ruth gordon ray Land, man the lost <laughs> weekend the lost weekend is <laughs> yeah. one of my favorites so yeah, yeah I, this, this may not become one of your favorite sequels i might Oh, I don't I care. It's just it's the novelty fun. of seeing it and that you, you know, that you did the yeah. music. It'll be, that'll be enough. Well, look, uh, for well, the, look for the album. For sure. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty wild, man. You know, you admittedly a genre you never really liked. Now, I mean, there's another one, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. You, you mentioned that you used to be a fan of musicals. I'm curious, what were some of your favorites? I absolutely love the classic musicals, uh, all, the, all the Rodgers and Hammerstein, all of the uh, Lerner and Lowe, uh, West Side Story, you know, the, the, that golden age of really wonderfully crafted uh, Broadway musicals. I just love all of that stuff. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. from Singing in the Rain, West Side Story, that era oh. was just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Would you ever do it? Would you ever want to score a Broadway musical if you got the shot? I originally, when I was in New York uh, at school and so forth, kind of thought I might go that way. But um, Stephen Sondheim said and did it all. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that base is covered. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan, but I don't think I'd really want to. Uh, and it's such a precarious, long shot kind of world getting a, a musical actually mounted and. Yeah. produced on Broadway. So yeah, I don't think I'd be going there. Oh, Freddy Krueger, the musical that talk about <laughs> jazz, jazz hands. <laughs> yeah. the claws. Well, you know, I did, I did a little uh, hip hop stuff with uh, uh, Freddy Krueger ideas, but yeah, I don't know about Broadway. That would be a, that'd be a stretch. Wait, what do you mean hip hop ideas? Do you actually worked on something like that? Well, a lot of my stuff has been sampled for hip hop. I've got like, I think 40 samples out there in various uh, hip hop things. 
I thought it might be cool to just take the Freddie music and do, in fact, it was last Halloween, I started working on that and then a lot of work came in and I set it aside. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very uh, kind of comfortable with and conversant in the uh, hip hop world. So I thought that might be kind of a cool thing to happen with the right artist, you know? Well, we, yeah, we got to make that happen. I mean, I, I'm, I, I can't wait to hear that. I'm sure yeah. people would love that. That'd be great. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. That would be yeah. really cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, you know, let that percolate a little more and yeah. you know, let us know when that comes about. That'd be great. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, you've been generous with your time. I'll let you run here. Thanks so much. This is an honor talking with you. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Stay well. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.